0: The boys at? Welcome to College Football Connection, your taste of all the college football action going on this week. We love the Ohio State Buckeyes. We hate that team up north, and we've got way too much to say. We're joined by the one and only Zach Smith, also known as Menace Sports, to give us a little behind the scenes and some expert insights on the action. Zach, fantastic to have you. It's the week. Let's get this thing going. Let's get it.
1: Yeah. The 118th version of the game is going to happen. This weekend, the hype train is rolling. They're already trying to compare it to the 06 game of the century, uh, as well as I think we lose track of the 2016 matchup Mm -hmm. that you were involved in, Zach, that went to double overtime, which also kind of qualifies as one of the legendary games in the last decade decade or so of this rivalry. It is vengeance or the revenge game for Ohio State and Ryan Day so many storylines here um to consider and talk about quite frankly but more than anything it's like it's it's ohio state needs to put a spanking on that team up north um there's no kind of sugarcoating that um but we gotta win this game for 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 many reasons um but you know I, I think this game we're we're getting into a game that is very compelling now. Because, you know, for the last eight years before last year, it was just like we love having Harbaugh around to coach this game because it's an easy victory. <laughs> he doesn't know how to coach this game. It was almost like they had John Cooper in there uh, up in Michigan. But I have to be honest, the last two years, the turn that that program has made and also philosophically, what, J- what Harbaugh is doing um, to just go to ground and pound style um, is working. It's working for Michigan. They're dominating the teams that they play. They're relying. It almost feels like an old trestle team, right? They're they're top the top in the country on, on in, in scoring defense as well as yards per game. They rely on a ground and pound game. We've got to figure out a way to beat them, you know? So it, it's definitely good to have this game back.
2: Oh, it's great. It's great for college football. It's great for the rivalry. I mean, I said it last year when I thought that it was – you know ohio state fans were a little too high on on how good ohio state was and how good michigan was they they kind of understated that and even then i was like you know as much as i didn't want it to happen i was like man a, a win for michigan here would just reinvigorate the rivalry because it, it happened in the 90s on the other side and it wasn't fun it was like michigan just won regularly i mean i think cooper was 2 and 9 or something like that against michigan it's like that's not a rivalry you want the 10 year war, Bo versus Woody, back and forth. Like that's a rivalry. Yeah. And now I really feel like we're we're embarking on kind of World War II, like the 10 year war part two, because Michigan's finally leveled up to the point where they they can win this game. I mean, they're tough. They run the ball well. It's gonna be a pretty evenly matched game. And, you know, people are gonna talk about a hundred different things. Michigan faced nine offenses outside the top 85. And my, my point is always like, well, so did Ohio State, by the way. They're playing the same teams. And <laughs> the reality was always going to be the reality. It's a one-game season. The only team Michigan plays that's yeah. worth a shit is Ohio State and vice versa. I think Penn State's good, but this is the only game either team will play this year where it's evenly matched in the regular season.
1: And that's what, that's what really makes this compelling. This might be the last version of the game where all the marbles are on the line because the expansion of the playoff next year bringing in USC and UCLA is going to eliminate the divisions so it is going to be the top two teams in conference that make the play, make the championship game as well so there's there's potential here that for for many years to come we're going to see back to back Ohio State Michigan games both at the end of the season and then following that up in, in the Big Ten Championship and then even potentially in this 12-team playoff. So that value of this game seems to seems to be, this is maybe, it's always going to be valuable, but there's just something to be said for the last 118 years, pretty much both team seasons coming down to this game. So it's something that I think all of us should appreciate um, and really enjoy because it might be the last time we see See this type of game,
2: but if you really, yeah, if you really look at it, like the road will always still run through this game, right? Even if if USC yeah. continues this level up and they're a power in whatever in the Big Ten and Ohio State, Michigan, the winner is going to have the inside track to go to the Big Ten championship. Like dreams are going to be shattered or realized through this game. Yeah, uh, rematches are the one thing that kind of screw it up, right? <laughs> if all of a sudden they're playing again, yeah. you're like, well, what was the value in that one then?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, in the likelihood
2: um, is... With with the
0: injuries kind of going into this game, I feel like there's a pretty interesting storyline this year because I think at the beginning of the season, when we you know thought we had Jackson Smith at Jigba and we had Travion healthy, we had Mayan Williams healthy, it was a very, very scary offense. And I feel like for Ohio State, it's been really fascinating to see the run game and the way that we're utilizing it you know, especially this past weekend against Maryland to see the success that we had um, with, uh, and I can't remember his name, but um, the younger running yeah, back. Who, Hayden. Who stepped up. Exactly. Hot fire, I call and him then, hot
1: fire. Dallin, 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 hot fire. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then kind of on the flip, like Michigan's best player in, in Blake Corum has this injury last weekend. Probably, I mean, it's going to be hard for anyone of that caliber to miss this game. So I think we're going to see you know, players playing that aren't at a one at a one hundred percent kind of health as you might think. Um, you know, how does that all play into the picture leading into this week, Zach?
2: I mean, I think it's just you know, when you have these injuries, you have Blake Coram might not play, Donovan Edwards didn't play last week. You have all this stuff going on. It really comes down to depth, right? Like it it's college football. They're gonna have injuries, things are gonna happen, and it, it comes down to the the depth that these teams have, and I think Ohio State's a deeper team. So if there's a team between the two that can overcome injuries to key players, it's, it's Ohio State. That being said, I mean, I, I just, just yesterday I broke down the coach's film of the 2021 Ohio State-Michigan game for my Patreon subscribers. And watching it, you're like, wow, you forgot what this offense looked like with three first-round receivers. Because they, they have one now. They have one. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the only yeah. one. And it's, it's just a very different offense without those, you know, million-dollar receivers. And talk about spoiled. I'm watching that game like, every, I mean, every three plays, I'm like, holy shit, look at Garrett Wilson. Next play, holy shit, look at Chris Olave. Like, it's just, it, it's, it's a totally different offense now. And, and, and CJ, having the success he's had, is really a testament to, to how good he is and how good he's been this year because he doesn't have three first-round receivers out there just getting wild.
1: I mean, I mean, and that's the other side of this too, which is, um, you know, we talked about it all season. This past weekend really exposed Ohio State's flaws on both sides of the ball, in my opinion, because the reason that we went to Dallin is because it wasn't the pass game wasn't wasn't producing the results. It wasn't like that was the philosophy going into the game. To to Ryan Day and the offensive coaching staff's credit, they did make the adjustment. But what you saw was a secondary um, that couldn't cover anybody, um, <laughs> and Maryland exposed us. and And Loxley had a solid game plan. It was really nice seeing that chess match between Knowles and Loxley when 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 Knowles made the adjustment to start blitzing and creating pressure. Loxley made the adjustment again, um, but Ohio State's defense was just too strong um, for him to sustain. I just I just have a lot of respect for Michael Oxley as a coach, but I knew this game was going to be difficult. But can Michigan challenge us through the air? Because their receivers look suspect as hell, but our corners are just as suspect. And I feel like that's the key to the game. If Michigan and J.J. McCarthy can can actually throw the ball, we're in a little bit of trouble in this game. Um, and then on the other side of it is continue to see the same issues with our offense, which is – We start out trying to make, I think this is is both CJ and Day, they like to make these big, sexy plays, when in the reality there's somebody that's open on every single pass. It might be the five-yard pass. You have to be willing to take those plays in this game specifically and also run the ball downhill like they did with and and start the game like that. Do you think that that's going to happen in this game?
2: Um, You know, I think this is this is a complete wild card because the, this is such it's such a strength on strength. I mean, you kind of hit it already and weakness on weakness. I mean, Michigan's receivers, Maryland had yeah. the best receiving core Ohio State's going to face maybe on the year outside of the yeah. only chance they face a better receiver group is if USC sneaks in the playoffs because they have a receiver group that's probably better than Maryland. Outside of them, Georgia doesn't. Yeah. TCU, you could argue, but probably even at best. I mean, Michigan, absolutely not. I mean, these this top six, seven teams, Maryland has a better receiving group than all of them. So that was kind of the, yeah. the one exposing game, right, where they had the strength against Ohio State's weakness, and it showed. I mean, that it's a double-digit win because of a little fumble pick six deal at the end that made it look better than it was for Ohio State. But I, I don't see Michigan doing that. I've watched Michigan's receivers struggle against, against everybody, and I've watched J.J. JJ McCarthy yeah. get hung out to dry a lot by his receivers. And if you look at this, you look yeah, at what, yeah, I mean, I, what Mike Loxley did. I mean, he was, to your point, V, he he was, ex- I mean, extremely well thought out game plan. I mean, he attacked to- Tommy Eichenberg at yeah. Steel Chambers, targeted him 11 times for 11 catches. And, you know, Tanner McAllister had his moments. Denzel Burke had his moments. Cameron Brown was still locked down. He only let up one catch for 12 yards. And yeah. so it's just, I, th- I think they can level up. I worry about Tanner McAllister in the slot, but not in this game. I really don't. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and technically, I mean, the reason Michigan won last year is they ran for 300 Absolutely. yards. Um, and I don't think that 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 you can run for 300 yards against this defense. Um, with Steel Chambers and Tommy Eichenberg specifically a linebacker, our D-line is strong, should give them. They haven't seen a D-line this strong. And we saw what Illinois was able to do last weekend against Michigan. That was probably the best defense they faced. Obviously, Blake Quorum got hurt. But you saw pretty much Bielama gave us a game plan to stop their strength literally just by turning on that film. In addition to that, we saw – first of all, I I have to give kudos to the running back from Illinois. He reminds me a lot of – I haven't seen a guy that patient since Le'Veon Bell. The way that he waits and waits, and I think he's going to be a next-level running back, but I think we have that in this freshman. The way that he runs is – very different than the way that Travion, Travion is a home run hitter. But what I really liked about Dallin is that he takes what the defense gives him. He's very decisive, single cut runner. And I think in a game like this, that's how you win. Um, and it might be a blessing in disguise that we have an ailing, ailing uh, Travion and an ailing Mayan, because in terms of st- style, I think the offensive coordinator, offensive coaching staff is going to be forced to design runs that take advantage of this kid's strengths, which are the strengths that we need to be able to beat this defense.
2: Yeah. And he's, he's, he just does what he's coached to do. I mean, that's the, that's the difference. Trey, Trey abandons tracks. He tries to bounce bounce run plays and that's not what Tony's teaching him to do. This kid just went in and he stayed on his track. He hit his landmark and then he made one cut. I mean, he's, he's a, a robot to an extent, which, some of our run game woes are because we're getting too cute back there. It's like just hit the hit the track, stay at the the butt of the guard and then once you get to his heels, make a cut. Like it's not that it's not rocket science, but we have some guys Trey, Trey specifically. Mayan does a good job, but Trey he'll just abandon the track yeah. cuz he thinks he sees something and you're like, minus 2 and you'll see three creases, you're like, "Bro, just run the run. Just run it." Yeah. <laughs> and the
1: thing that I also saw from this kid is he can catch the mm-hmm. ball too. So he can be your safety valve as well. I was very impressed. Obviously he's a freshman. There's always you know, throwing a freshman to the fire against Michigan has its risks. Um, but he looks he looks like he 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 knows how to play within the system and that might be what we need.
0: I also gotta shout out the uh D line and linebackers in this Maryland game. I felt like we saw a degree of toughness that I think our defenses lacked. I think, you know, the Jim Knowles effect is in in full swing here but it's a very good sign uh, um to see you know uh obviously you know uh, the incredible work on special teams that we saw this past weekend as well with the punt block with the return that went for 50 yards by xavier johnson like a lot of really really good things on the fundamental side of the ball that you know i think uh, they speak to it tough culture that you know we didn't have last year it, it feels like a totally different team so no from that lens it's like even with the style players out it doesn't necessarily concern me as much for this game specifically because I don't think the style players get you a win on Michigan I think the toughness gets you a win on Michigan
2: well, that's what this game's going to be and that's the game Michigan wants it to be I mean they don't want to get in a shootout they'll lose by 30 um, so they're, they're going to try to force that that toughness game they're going to play and, and I, I've I've heard a lot of Buckeye fans talk, oh, well, well, Michigan, they play man coverage, but they can't do that against our wideouts. I'm like, go watch the film last year. We had three first-rounders. They played press man every snap. If you don't think they're going to do it against this group, you're nuts. They're going to play in-your-face, press man, aggressive defense, force you to try to run it, and it's going to be tough to do. They have Their D-tackles are the best Ohio State seen by a mile. This kid, Mozzie Smith, is going to be a first-round draft pick D-tackle. He is a a freak. and. With Ohio State's injuries at Matt Jones at right guard, Dewan was out a week ago. You know, this is not going to be easy. And I mean, I think the, the best thing that you see when you watch last year's game is Ohio State moved the ball on Michigan in the run game. Like, this, all this, like, soft program, this, that, and the other. Like, yeah, maybe the defense, but the offense, they were moving the D line. They ran the ball well. They, honestly, CJ Stroud didn't play great, or else they they might have been in this thing.
1: Yeah, one of one yeah. of the concerns in this in this game for me is in that Maryland game, you saw a lot of poor uh, technique tackling wise. Mm-hmm. Not even the coverage, but from the secondary specifically, you saw a lot of, and we can't have that in this game. You know, guy, guys have to, to to hit their marks and, and be able to come up and make tackles when they get outside. That's the one concern. I'm not concerned about our linebackers and our D line, but you know traditionally in these games if our when we don't have those strong corners and safeties also hitting their marks taking proper angles and making good tackles this could get that's where this game could be troubling to me that's my only concern yeah,
2: for sure
0: i agree i agree with that i mean i think we're mo- we're most definitely going to be screaming at the, at the game because our corners let let you know a 10-yard pass turn into a touchdown like i think we'll see that at least once but I mean, I think they're going to do it at least once, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? For sure,
1: yeah, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, I mean the thing the thing that Ohio State still has, if you you know measure man on man, we have more power star power on offense. We have a defense that matches up well. Um, we have a banged up offensive line, but as long as we're going downhill and not getting cute, we should be able to wear this team out get to the play action passes, get Marvin Harrison the ball. Because if you look back, Zach, at, at, at the years of the traditional rivalry, what did each of these teams have? They always just had one dynamic mm-hmm. receiver on either side, and that guy would get the yards that you need. And so Marvin, if Marvin Harrison can give us a hit the century mark receiving, and our running game is doing well, and CJ doesn't turn the ball over, I think it's a fairly easy win and that's why vegas has this at a seven and a half point line right now
2: Yeah, there's no doubt Uh, defenses have evolved and and ryan is going to have to be creative to get marv some one-on-one opportunities because there's no way they're just going to line up and michigan's going to say all right this 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 corner dj turner whoever it is he's going to cover marv one-on-one they just won't do it i mean if and if they do they should get beat by 40 so and and this jesse minner the defense coordinator has been outstanding this year he's an nfl guy came from the ravens like he He's gonna know how to take Marv out unless Ryan can get creative at getting more of those one on one matchups. And we've seen some of the motion stuff and and stacks, stack alignments and bunches and things that he does where you just can't key one guy, right? You have to play your system. And if and so he's gonna do that, but it's it certainly can't just be a an, an old school lineup and all right, throw it to Marv on this play. It's like, okay, well, we're gonna play underneath and over the top. Good luck.
1: I mean, the best thing to do is again, it goes back to the simplicity of football, right? Just run the ball really well at the early part of the game, and then you can set up play action and in the play action situation, then Marv can get open you know but if if we just come out and that's what the concern is that I've had is if we come out and start the game the same way we've started every other game this season, we could get ourselves in trouble. But if we come in and we take their game to them, I think it's an easy victory, you know, and I think that's the same. Same can be said of of the Maryland game. If we would have done what we did in the second half in the first half, that game is likely 35 to 14, not (laughs) not forty-two to (laughs) thirty. So that (laughs) so that that's really what this comes down to. And you know, that brings me to the the next part of this conversation, which is Zach, after the game last year, you said this is all about toughness. Mm -hmm. We got out toughed by Michigan last year. If we if if we lose this game, what is what what is the reflection Ohio State needs to do? Because at the end of the day, this is a marathon, not a sprint. The fans aren't going to quit if we lose this game. There's a chance we could—always a chance when you line up against a team to lose. What would be the next step to to make the improvement? What would the reflection be for Ohio State in terms of hey, we've lost two straight to Michigan now,
2: and they'll be calling for. <laughs> We We call for
1: Ryan's head. (laughs) Of course. Of course. I don't think he's going to get fired, but but I think the pressure is going to be for him to alleviate himself from the play calling duties.
2: Yeah. And and, I mean, we'll see how it goes, but I I think my biggest concern right now is we have two NFL D tackles that play 14 snaps a game. Um, I mean, I'm watching Jerron (laughs) Cage and, and Teron Vincent. I like Teron Vincent a lot. I think he's a really good player, but Michael Hall Jr. and Tyleek Williams are the twitchiest D tackles I've seen at Ohio State in a while. I mean, going back to Adolphus Washingtons of the world. And they play 14 snaps a game. And I understand why. I I study the film. Like, they're not very disciplined. They don't stay in their gaps. They're not great in the run game. But my God, are they disruptive and dynamic. And I think this offensive line that Michigan has is no joke. They are legit. They might be the best offensive line in college football. And I think you're going to need Zach Harrison, who's flourished. He's come. I mean, he's blossomed. The last second half of this season, I yeah. love oh, watching him, play, and man. I love it because because yeah. of all the hype he had and all these dumbass Ohio State fans that said he was the next Joey Bosa or Chase Young. It's like relax, like let the kid develop, and he now he's having an outstanding second half of the season. You have him, Jalen tui Mulowau, and then you add Michael Hall Jr. and Tyreek Williams in that fourth that front four might be the best in the country. But the problem is two of them only played thirteen snaps.
1: Yeah. And the thing, you know, this is a, a very important shout out. I think that JTT has helped Zach elevate his play specifically in the sense that neither one of them ever quit on a play. That's what I like to see when I watch. It doesn't matter if you don't win every battle, but you see him get knocked down, get up, get right back into the play. That's what I think is the difference between Zach Harrison this season and past season. It's not just JTT, but I think it's a reflection of the overall defense and the energy and probably Jim Knowles. um, You bring up, you bring up a great, a great point, uh, a great point with that. And and, and that is going to be the final question here is it's a must win scenario. I mean, I am a, I, I believe in, in, in consistency, but I thought that giving Ryan day that pay raise was like setting him up. After losing to Michigan, they should have waited until this year to give them that pay raise, because <laughs> that's another thing reason why fans are going to be very, very frustrated if we lose this game. Um, but it, it is going to it's going to lead to a lot of pressure if we don't win this game. And I think what's it's literally a must win for for Ryan Day. I don't think he gets fired unless he loses next season because we're too invested in him and he's still bringing in the top recruits. But the fans, dealing with the fans for him and his family is not going to be fun living in Columbus, Ohio. No, it's
2: not.
0: (laughs) 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 You know, I I also um, also feel like as we're going into the week, it's like the energy around the fans this year feels – feels different than last year to me. I felt like last year we had such a good team. It almost felt like even the fan base was a little bit cocky going into that game and I think it's good in a rivalry when you do have that kind of like mutual mutual respect beyond like the negative feelings you have toward each other and I I like really really appreciate the fact that this team has you know genuinely made us sweat like all season. Every week we've talked about damn michigan's good like it's going to be a tough game for them and you know like how many weeks is it now 12 weeks 11 weeks of build up like that's pretty sick man like there's not a lot of things in this world that you get that kind of build up and the experience like regardless of how the game goes it's going to live up to the hype at least for one fan base
2: absolutely i mean it's been a one game season you know 12 weeks ago and and the fact that neither team screwed it up <laughs> is just amazing it's like all right good it worked out how it's supposed to. Now let's go play this massive game and a game that I would argue is the biggest game in rivalry history. I mean, 2016, neither team was good enough to win the national championship. 2006, neither team was good enough to win the national championship. I think this year, <laughs> these two teams are on that level. And so I think this is the biggest matchup, especially if if whoever wins, if they are able to pull it off and win the whole thing, this will be regarded as the biggest instance of this rivalry game ever.
1: Well, yes. we, we we have to... A question I wanna ask you, Zach, and I think it's important for fans and analysts to understand, is what exactly has Harbaugh done to turn the table on and on, on his coaching career at Michigan? Because I watched that game against Illinois last weekend and he had he made all the right decisions in in critical situations and coaching really helped them get over the line there in that game, specifically the decision-making of the head coach. Um, and I don't like giving this guy a lot of credit because I don't like him, but the data is the data, and what, what I'm seeing on the field is what I'm seeing on the field. Yeah, know?
2: and I mean, they also were a fourth down conversion away from losing, a one in which they were blocking downfield on a pass play, and it was an egregious offensive PI, and they lose the, lose the yeah. game if they make that call. The refs clearly wanted this matchup, but I digress. He definitely. It's a different. It's a different. (laughs) The field goal decision was huge. Huge. Oregon's coach would have (laughs) won. There's no doubt. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, it's it's just a different, a different culture than than he he had before, and it comes from offensive line play and defense. And you know they run the hell out of the ball. They're extremely tough, extremely physical. Their offensive line is excellent. Their defense is playing really well. You know, it's it's old school football. It's what he did at Stanford, and he got away from it at Michigan, I think, because he thought you know maybe maybe. It wouldn't work on the national landscape. And he he eventually, as things were going bad, said, no, you know what, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down my way. We're going to play great defense, offensive line, run the ball, be really tough, and if we're going to lose and I'm going to get fired, that's how I'm going to get fired. And come to find out, they're pretty damn good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Yeah,
1: that's, that's really what this battle, I mean, comes down to always, right? Like, if you look at the years that Michigan has beaten Ohio State, it's always because they have one of these crazy run game performances where, you know, whether it's Bianca Batuka or whoever their running back is at the time, they go crazy on us. Otherwise, Ohio State pretty much always has more talent on both sides of the field in these in the last probably two decades, three decades of of this rivalry.
2: For sure.
0: Yeah, so um Maybe we'll talk about a couple other things in the landscape, and then come back at the end to uh, to talk about predictions. Uh, I definitely want to highlight, you know, the best quarterback in in college football, Spencer Rattler. Um, <laughs> I knew that was coming. His, <laughs> huge upset <Yeah. laughs> for this huge upset this weekend. This shit was crazy, and he played lights out. I did not expect that to happen at all. Unfortunately, Henne Hooker went down with the ACL. That was really, you know, you never want that for anybody. Um, So, you know, good luck to him on his rehab and hope he comes back strong. Uh, But that was that was a definite surprise. And we had a lot of shakeups this weekend in terms of how the national landscape is looking. And and then kind of at the same time, we had USC come out, you know, barely beat UCLA. And this is this is my beef with with, you know, college football in general is like USC beats a, a pretty good UCLA team by three. And Caleb Williams is apparently the best quarterback that's ever you know touched the earth. He's now the Heisman, Heisman he's the Heisman favorite. He's the Heisman favorite. Yeah, yeah.
1: How, how he's is the that- only reason they're win- he's the only reason they're winning. That's the that's the storyline. Like he's carrying them on his back. It doesn't matter that he has like three all world receivers <laughs> and, <he's
0: playing laughs> the and an amazing <laughs> offensive
2: system too. Yeah. And they won by three. Yeah. With while the other team's quarterback threw them the ball three times, mind you. I mean, like they yeah. just It's just it's they're fraudulent on a national landscape, but it's, you got to give the kid his flowers. He's he's playing out of his mind.
1: Oh yeah, his yeah. his the throws yeah. that he's he was making in that game oh. like he should, I mean, they didn't get they didn't get a lot of pressure on him, which was helpful. UCLA's D-line did not seem to be much of a much of a problem in that game, which if you give a quarterback with that type of arm talent, that type of protection, he's going to beat you every single time. Like I was sitting there, he, it's like he had like 10 seconds in the pocket every time he every <laughs> time he dropped, dropped back. But to your earlier point, Partha, I do want to talk about your boy um, at South Carolina. This is the reason why he was the number one quarterback prospect in the country is that you see when he's at his best how good he can be. He was making throws that just... you could not sit there and watch the game and not just be like, no matter how much you dislike the kid, you couldn't be, you'd be sitting there in awe of some of the plays that he was making. And I do have to give a shout out to their coach Beamer. Like this is a team that's six and four. He got a team to continue believing, continue believing in their talent, implemented a game plan that was just like, you know what? We're not going to stop scoring. We've got to score every single time we get the ball. (coughs) And I'm going to let my quarterback try to score every single time. And they won a track. That's the only way they were going to beat Tennessee was in a track meet. And they were able to do it. And also, I was really impressed by South Carolina's corners. Um, Yeah. They're really good. They're really good.
2: Yeah. They, they, I mean, they so are shut it down. They really did. Are all of these quarterbacks
0: good enough to make it to the league? No. Like, rattler williams stroud no hey caleb like what what where's the where's the line of demarcation
2: i've seen two nfl quarterbacks that are draft eligible this year that's cj and bryce young um you can make a case for a guy like a Mm -hmm. sam hartman i mean there's there's will levis like they'll make rosters but there's two nfl quarterbacks that are draft eligible outside of them then that sophomore class i think you have a couple you have Drake May has been outstanding. Quinn Ewers has the arm talent, and he'll definitely get a shot. And he might, you know, I would imagine he'll have pretty, pretty significant jump next going into next year. And Caleb Williams is the other one who I think has NFL potential. But Pendon Hooker, yeah. I don't think is an NFL quarterback. Spencer Rattler certainly is not. I mean, you know, Anthony Richardson, which is touted as a first rounder, is that's a joke. Um, I just JJ McCarthy's the one that he doesn't look like it now, but he's he's a young kid next year. Who knows. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: it's it's really really hard to translate from NFL from college to NFL. The truth is, if you're at an elite program, most of your games you're playing against against a pretty significantly uh, different talent. When you get to the NFL, you're playing against the best players that were in every college program, and it's a tough adjustment. Your your time to make decisions. Much quicker, the time that you have to go through progressions is is much faster, and it's a hard thing to predict. You know, it doesn't matter how good any of these guys look in college. That's a it's a big transition um, to to make into the NFL, and that's why it's such a difficult position uh, to predict. Um, to be honest, I do like Will Levis as as from this perspective. I like this the fact that the dude has a trash offensive line. Like they're not doing him any favors in the sec. Um, But he's, he, when he's given time, he, he, he looks like a very, very good next level type of quarterback, the way he approaches the game. I don't know if he'll pan out. And the other guy that I just, I just want, I hope you get the chance to look at the film before the draft is this kid, Michael Penix. I really like, I really like how he plays the, the position and i think you know he's a little undersized um but kid can make every throw makes dynamic decisions um i like him yeah too.
2: there you know how it is there, there's always going to be a couple great college quarterbacks that don't translate and will levis is like josh rosen 2.0 it's like yeah he's, he's tall yeah. big white guy has a big arm okay i watch his film i'm like he's not very accurate he doesn't make timely decisions like I, I just don't see it. And Michael Penix, I have, I've watched a little bit of Washington this year, not a lot. I watched him a ton at Indiana. He has all the talent in the world. He's arm talent. He's athletic. He can run. And that's where you get into a tight spot. You're like, is Lamar Jackson a good enough quarterback? Well, I don't know. Are they going to develop a system around him like Baltimore did? Because if they didn't, he would have been a failure. But they develop a system and he's like the be- yeah. one of the best players in the NFL. And so that's where a lot of times yeah. you get you get lost in like, wh- what's the fit? Where do they go? Like, Michael Thomas goes to New Orleans with Drew Brees, just flourishes. Corey Coleman gets drafted before him, goes to the Browns. Wow, I don't even know where he is. I think he works at a 7-Eleven somewhere. Like it's 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 just it's so situation dependent that you look at like Paris Campbell and the Colts, or Justin Fields and the Bears, is the greatest example, right? He has been an absolute yeah. bust until finally they're like, let's try to feature this kid's skill set. What do you think? All of a sudden he's lighting the world on fire.
1: Save my fantasy team this <laughs> year, too. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, that's the, I mean, I don't think Spencer Rattler has the mental makeup to make it at the next level. He definitely has the talent. But the one that I'm curious about, very, very sad to hear about, the injury to Hendon Hooker. It seems like everything that I'm hearing about the kid, great kid, great talent. Yeah. In a lot of ways, like he didn't have the same hype. But he reminds me a lot of what I saw from Deshaun Watson in college. Just a really, really, really good quarterback um, that elevates your team. But what happens now that he's torn his ACL, he's not going to get the opportunity to play in the college football playoff. We We only have like 10 games of real data on him as a quarterback. Does he come back next year? Does he go to the draft? If so... What do you think of his prospects? Yeah, I mean,
2: he's going to be a wild card. Um, you know, he he would have been a guy that would have benefited a ton from, you know, they would not have made the playoffs. They would have probably got a nice, you know, nice matchup in a bowl game to chance to go out and throw 400 yards, you know, have a chance to go to the senior bowl and really elevate his draft stock. He's he lost out on all that now. And so it's, 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 uh, it's unfortunate. I think he's talented. I think he's got a chance. Uh, but it but he needed all that stuff. I mean he 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 had a fantastic year. I think the biggest knock on him will be his performance in that Georgia game just because he missed some big throws in a big game and that's what the NFL is every Sunday. It's like every Sunday is yeah. the Georgia game. And you got to show you can do that consistently time after time. And that's where I think CJ Stroud has an opportunity this weekend. Well, I mean, you look at CJ Stroud, he hasn't yeah. really played well against good teams. He's played okay, but number one yeah. number one overall pick? No, not yet. But if he goes out and just has a career day against Michigan. I think now you have you have a real a real point to be, be made that CJ Stroud's is the number one overall pick. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And your favorite team, Partha, in the in the playoff race, TCU skated by again <laughs> against the dynamic powerhouse known as uh, known as Baylor. Um, my takeaways from this game again. I, I look at Dave Miranda in much the same way that I look at Mike Loxley in the sense that from a coaching standpoint, um, these guys are yeah, brilliant. Um, but my qu- my question to you, um, Zach, is are either one of these guys going to get the opportunity to take on a big time program? I mean, I think Miranda is in a much better situation at Baylor, just because I think you can you can get the talent into Baylor. Um, to be a real competitive team, but are these, are either one of these guys going to get the jobs that really showcase their level of talent, or, and if not, why do you think that they won't? You know, it
2: just it's just going to come down to how how much they can level up. I think Dave Aranda has the best shot because the Big Twelve is about to be dissipated. They're about to lose Texas and Oklahoma. They could they could literally just run the roost and, and be the king of the hill in the, the Big Twelve, and then you know he could start achieving some some high levels. Not that he hasn't already. I mean, they, he's already. Already done yeah. a great job there, and Loxley's going to be the tough one. I mean, I think he's he's slowly. I actually talked to him after the Ohio State game. And he's like, we our kids just don't know how to win that one yet. Like you're you're in a game with an yeah. insanely talented team. It's close at the end. You got to ha- you just got to have that that finish, and they just haven't got there yet because he took over a program that never even they didn't even know what a finish looked like. They didn't even they didn't have a chance. <laughs> it's like you run a race and pull your hamstring the first turn. You're like, I've never been to the finish line. I don't even know what that line looks like, and so. Now he's getting them there, and it's just going to be really tough. I mean, he's in a a division with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, and I know that's all going away uh, once they add USC, UCLA, but it's not going to get any easier. I think Loxley is such a dynamic recruiter and such a a schematic, brilliant coach that it's just going to be a process. I mean, I think he's got a chance, but it's it's an uphill battle, and so it's a matter of if a school really sees what he's done and says, you know what, this guy's legit we're going to take a flyer on him and i think honestly if he can keep leveling up he's one of the candidates to replace nick Saban. he did a great job as a coordinator there he's got alabama ties he you, who knows that alabama job's kind of the wild card cuz they could they'll be able to pick anybody
1: yeah, yeah. but the, that that's my concern with both of these guys right if they're not necessarily winning um at the programs that they're at, because we're seeing the co- the level of coaching talent, but they they have a handicap against every big time program. Does that show through in college? Like, do you still will you take the guy you know who's at a program that has six losses or seven losses and be able to see? Okay, well, this guy's a really good recruiter. He's a great play caller. He develops good game plans. Um, does that is that is that going to happen, or do they both need to really have those like? Signature seasons where they have ten wins. Yeah, they're
2: going to have to have. I mean, they're going to have to be a mainstay at nine and three as, as a as a basement, right? And then you have you, they're going to have to have those years where all of a sudden Maryland makes the Big Ten championship game or Baylor wins the Big Twelve, which they did last year. So it's not like that's as far of a reach, but it's it, that's what Mike's going to have to do. He's going to have to get to nine and three consistently, right? And if the worst day, the worst year they could have is lose to Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State but they're, they're, they're the next class of the big 10 and then, you know, catch fire one year and beat two out of the three and go 11 and one. And you know, that's, that's going to be the level up and he's, he's getting there. I mean, with the team I watched, that's a talented football team at Maryland. I mean, I remember I was at Temple. We beat Maryland by 14. They were terrible.
1: Yeah. But it's one of those stories that like, you know, this from recruiting, it's like, why isn't Maryland good? They have, they have the money, they have the, the location. It's a cool place to go play. I mean, the stadium could be better, obviously.
2: (laughs) But The away um, locker room is the worst away locker room in college football. It's awful.
1: Yeah. Wow. I mean, but Under Armour and and Plank is going to put any amount of money they need into that program. They should be able to develop into at least an Oregon level. It just hasn't happened. But it seems like he's the coach that might be able to. Get yeah, he it
2: is because he's a really good recruiter. I mean, he he beat me head to head on Stefan Diggs at Maryland. Like, what are we talking about? Who can do that? Wow. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying yeah. it was above the table, but let's just. He he gets it done. <laughs>
1: yeah, and he so, almost um, he almost went on he almost went on Haskins. He, no, he he would have, <laughs> right? but he
2: got fired. He was the he was the coordinator with yeah. DJ Durkin, and wow. he and Haskins was not coming to Ohio State. No chance. He he was going with Loxley to Maryland. And then DJ didn't retain Loxley. And that's the only reason Haskins ended up a Buckeye. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's a crazy story, honestly. Yeah. Wild. I mean, that's how good he is at recruiting, though. Like Dwayne Haskins, we've all seen the videos. He grew up like dreaming. His biggest dream was to be the starting quarterback at Ohio State. And Loxley overcame that and got him to commit. And it was a done deal. And, you know, thank God for Buckeyes that DJ didn't retain him. (laughs) (laughs) honestly Um, I also uh, wanted to
0: mention um, you know games this week we do have USC Notre Dame Mm -hmm. which I think is a noteworthy one Notre Dame has really bounced back from the struggles that they had earlier this season and they become a much better team (laughs) to me I think that game and I think the Ohio State Michigan game is the deciding factor for the Heisman um, you know in particular and I think if Caleb Williams goes out and balls out against Notre Dame. And like you were saying, Zach, CJ has like an average game. Then I think he's going to come away with it. You know, as an Ohio State fan, I'm happy with that because we have shown we're very cursed when we <laughs> win Heisman. We don't win the championship. That's so for sure. rather lose that and then put ourselves in a good position for the playoffs with a little chip on our shoulder. But um, with with USC having a challenging game and then you have LSU and Georgia that'll play in the SEC championship. There still isn't a lot of clarity on this oh, playoff man.
2: picture. Like this could go a lot of different ways. It's it's like it, it usually gets right about now where it's like, all right, if everyone does what they're supposed to do, there's a ton of clarity. But when has that ever happened? I mean, we watched this last weekend. <laughs> yeah. Every top six team looked awful. Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia. Georgia beat Kentucky yeah. sixteen to six. Kentucky's not a good football yeah. team. <laughs> so like you look at it, you're like, I have no idea. This is the cloudiest. Just because I mean, I think Notre Dame's gonna beat USC. I think Marcus Freeman, the way he has that defense yeah. playing, they're gonna they're gonna limit Caleb Williams, and then USC's. I don't know if Notre Dame could score. That's my only problem. Their offense is so bad, but I I really think Notre Dame could beat USC, kind of eliminate them. You know, you're gonna get one out of Ohio State and Michigan. That's the only thing you do know. Like they both can't lose in this yeah. game. So it's and it, I'm I'm not putting it past LSU to give Georgia a run for their money.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean it's there's there's so much uncertainty, and then you you know Kansas State. Could be TCU. Kansas oh. State is playing Kansas really, State's, really good football. Yeah,
0: they're the dark Kansas horse State could be, of, of that like T- entire yeah. conference.
1: TCU is is waiting to be beaten. You know they've they're they're, they're barely getting out of they've, every game. You know, but they are winning, and you have to give them credit for winning. But like you said, I think to your point about the Heisman part, though, is if Caleb Williams plays like he did last week against UCLA against Notre Dame far as i'm concerned he's earned the heisman as far as that stupid individual award goes um and they make (laughs) the playoff he he um he's earned it but i don't think that's going to happen to zach's point like i I keep going back to how hyped up sam darnold was and then he had to go up against our defense uh in the cotton bowl and the dude looked like an amateur and was made to look like an amateur. And Notre Dame's defense might do that to Caleb Williams. The one thing – and you're seeing this with all of all of the quarterbacks, you know, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, mm-hmm. that come out of that system, they can't handle pressure. And if Notre Dame's able to create pressure, I don't – I think Caleb Williams will have a bad
2: game. Yeah, I agree. They, they just mm-hmm. need to bottle him up. I mean, you watch that UCLA game, he was – I want to say like 83% when he was under pressure cuz he's just such a good athlete and if you let him get out on the edge and make plays happen with his arm and his feet it's it's just it's not going to go well for you.
0: Yeah. yeah, he's he's incredibly dynamic so you know, credit to him for, you know, what he's able to do, but yeah, I agree with you guys. I think USC like it's, I mean, obviously way better than it was last year. Um, you know, they've taken a bunch of star players from a bunch of other teams, so that makes sense. Kind of like a little all-star team going on there. But what they've what they've done in the Pac-12, I think, just doesn't necessarily show how they compare on the national landscape, just because they have not faced really any thorough kind of solid defenses um, in that run, right? And so you can have that explosive offense against, you know, UCLA, but like. It just doesn't it just doesn't look that good. You know what I mean when you know every play is like forty yards. like it just it doesn't doesn't really show you that much other than we're all just kind of like running around the field you know scoring touchdowns. But when it comes to the playoff football, it's a it's a totally different game. I think this year, especially with the inconsistency Georgia has showed from time to time. There is no clear favorite. I think for me Georgia is the favorite, um but I don't think it's it's by a lot. I think it's, you know, inches and anybody could take it this year out of the top, you know, the top 8 teams here really like
2: any of those teams I could see winning. Yeah. I mean it's just yeah. it's college football is so much different than the NFL where it's like, all right, any team could have a bad day. And in this, you know, at this point in the season, yeah. you have one bad day, you're out. You're out, you're done.
1: Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, the truth is that if USC beats Notre Dame, and I think they'll probably play Oregon now in the, in the Pac-12 championship, they should get in. I mean, regardless of what you think about the Pac-12, I do think it is a better conference than the Big 12. Um, there are some good coaches in that conference. Um, that Utah-Oregon game was actually a really good football game, um, in my opinion. Yep, um, yep. And, and, you know, maybe the Pac-12 is a little bit better um, then we're giving it credit for as maybe the third best conference. I think they're better than the ACC and better than the Big 12. Um, and they have some teams in there that are well coached. Um, but if USC finishes it out, they're going to get in the playoffs. I don't think they're a competitive playoff team. But if they win out, it's 100% Caleb Williams is going to win the Heisman and that they're going to get a playoff spot simply because Tennessee mm-hmm. lost. Um, if Tennessee hadn't lost, I don't think that this is much of a case. But who gets in? If USC and T- TCU lose now, is it going to be out? Al- Are we going to see Alabama slide in like they always do? Or, or LSU? If Al- because if LSU loses to Georgia, that's three losses. Even with Alabama's loss to them, Alabama will be at mm-hmm. two losses. LSU will be at three losses. So it seems like Alabama would be in in that scenario. Yeah.
2: It's just going to come down to will they put.
0: Or yeah, I-, I think. Or-, or Clemson. Or Clemson. Maybe. Yeah. I think
2: they're they're next up there. Yeah, with, with one loss and yeah. Clemson's name recognition, they definitely, it's, it's going to be tough. The two loss teams never made it. And so I think for a two loss yeah. team to make it, I think it's got to be LSU beating Georgia. And now they beat Alabama, beat Georgia, won the SEC. Yeah. Like now I can see it. But like Bama didn't even win the West, two losses. It's going to be tough to not put Clemson in over them. And the reality is you look at it, as much as you look at USC, they say, all right, they have if they win out, they have, are a one loss team. Their only loss was at Utah by one point. I still think a close game loser, Ohio State, Michigan, gets in over them. I really do. And, but that's, that's who you're going to look at. I mean, if you have, let's say USC loses, TCU loses, and you're like trying to find another team, well, Ohio State and Michigan both will get in. Georgia will get in. And then you're saying, all right, now who is it? Clemson? Is it, I don't know.
1: That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying is that Clemson, I feel like the committee knows that they're oh, not they very do. good, right? And so you look at what happened in the SEC this year. It's like cannibalization. You know, you have a, even South Carolina at 7-4 and four now. You look at them. You say they're a pretty good football team. All Miss got knocked out. But you're looking at it. Are you going to put in a suspect-looking Clemson over, you know, an Alabama team who you know is going to compete? I, that's that's the thing. They've never put a two-loss team in, but I feel like the nation knows that Clemson is fraudulent, mm-hmm. and so that's the challenge, mm-hmm. right?
2: There's no doubt, but they've done it before.
0: I, yeah, I mean, I could yeah. I can honestly see a situation in which, like Zach said, you know, Ohio State Michigan ends up close, both teams make it in, and then you know, if USC finishes out, it's a USC TCU conversation let's say they both drop and l s u beats Georgia then Georgia and l s u probably still stay in the top four with just the order switched around so the winner of Ohio State Michigan goes to number one like you know i don't I don't necessarily yeah. see a situation for Alabama to work their way in at this stage, and I think you know especially with the injuries that they've had like I just think it's it's just one of those years for alabama to to chill
1: <laughs> yeah well' <laughs> we'll see we'll see how it how it all plays out um but i mean if lsu beats georgia i think both lsu and georgia if they get in a close game they get in but the what i'm hearing is that the most likely path for both ohio state and michigan to get in is if michigan wins this game because if michigan loses the game you look at their schedule compared to USC's schedule overall for the season one loss USC versus one loss Michigan. It's more likely that that happens versus a one loss Ohio state. That's kind of really what I'm, you know, that's kind of the pulse of this thing, but we obviously don't want Michigan winning this game. They're not going to win this game. So they're going to have to figure out a way to get in with one loss.
0: Yeah. That decides it. I mean, they need USC to lose.
1: (laughs) USC or TCU to lose. I think they, they have a shot
2: for sure. And if they, but they're if they not, both uh, lose.
0: The, they're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wild. So uh, let's let's bring it back around to um, to the game. Let's uh, let's do some predictions here. Um, how do you guys see it going this weekend?
2: Well, I, I think it's it's really going to come down to can Ohio State score thirty five points because that's kind of the mm-hmm. the line I put in my head where I said, all right, if they score twenty eight points, they're in a they're in a. Oh, dogfight! They're in a world of problems. I don't think Michigan can score 35 points on this defense. I don't think there's a chance in hell. So I'm looking at the throw game. I'm looking at these receivers. I'm, you know, they're, they're going to try to run the ball. I'm telling you, these D tackles are no joke. I don't think it's going to be, they're going to be able to run the ball like efficiently between the tackles. So I think it's going to take creativity. CJ's going to have to have a game of his life. These receivers, other than Marv are going to have to really grow up and kind of elevate in this rivalry, like we've seen a hundred times, right? Chris Olave is a freshman. We saw it. He was kind of just there on the team. And then in the Michigan game, you're like, whoa, like block punt, two touchdowns. Whoa. Like he just elevated, came out of nowhere. I think that has to happen for them to win this game because Michigan, they run the ball really well. And people are like, oh, we'll stop the run. We'll, we'll just load the box. It's like, what do you think everyone else has been doing? <laughs> like, All Michigan does is run the ball and everyone's <laughs> been loading the box.
1: Yeah, are our guys conditioned to handle that in the third and right. fourth quarter of a game after Thanksgiving? Right. Uh, maybe right. not. And because <laughs> you know?
2: neither of these teams have played anyone. I mean, Michigan's schedule hasn't been tough. Ohio State's hasn't been much tougher. <laughs> so it's it's yeah. it's it's really going to come yeah. down to who wants it more, like it should, like it has You know, outside of the Urban Meyer run. It always is just who wants it more.
1: Well, I look at the backdrop of this game, and I just <laughs> think when you look at, all the factors that are going into this you know the old metaphor the old saying you know um, hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard Ohio State is the most more talented team and that loss you better believe for every player in that locker room within the Ohio State fraternity they've been getting hell from all of the past players about losing that game to Michigan it is personal and Ohio State is the more talented team so they're going to work hard And when talent works hard, they're going to beat hard work. It's just, that's what it really comes down to for me. And I think that it is. And our defense is going to step up to the plate. I I see this being like a, 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 a two touchdown game. I see it being 35, 21. Um, I really do think that Ohio state, including Ryan day with the commentary Harbaugh made last season about the third base thing, this has to be personal. For Ohio State, it's an inexcusable loss for Ohio State Um, from every level, from a player level, coaching level. This this game should be an Ohio State win. And if it isn't, then there's a lot of reflection and and, and a lot of mirror looking that we're going to have to do.
0: Do, um, what do you have, uh, Zach, from a final score standpoint?
2: Uh, I, think it's, I think it's around that. I think uh, probably 35-28. I think it's, it's more around Vegas' number. But I do think Ohio State, it, it's kind of a boom or bust. I think they're going to lose the game or they're going to absolutely – C.J. Stroud's going to win the heist. I, I, I really believe that. I don't, I don't think C.J. can play average and the receivers play average and they run the ball decent and they cut, sneak out a win. <clears throat> I think Michigan wins the game on the road or C.J. has a career day. And and that's how I see it happening. I see C.J. throwing yeah. for 400 yards and and then winning 35-28, and he cements himself as a Heisman winner. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Michigan hasn't seen a, a tough passing offense all year either, so it's going to be a first time for them. Yeah,
2: there's no doubt. I mean, they, they, so, like Ohio State, yeah. the best passing offense they faced was Maryland. And side note, they did a much better job shutting down Maryland's yeah. throw game than Ohio State did.
1: Yeah, 100%. 100%. I mean there's some other games this weekend too that I think are worth us because because of how much um, is left to be said about the college football race um, there are some other games this weekend um, that are a note um, I think you already said you think Notre Dame's going to beat USC how do you guys see the, that game playing out from a score point?
2: I mean I think I think it's it's good the only way Notre Dame wins the game is if they if they're able to bottle up this Lincoln Riley offense I mean if it's if it's a high scoring game USC's going to win. Notre Dame can't score with with USC. So I think they really, Marcus Freeman's going to have to do a masterful job. He's a defensive mind, been really good. I think this is a game where it's, you know, 28-22 type of game, 28-24, and they're just really able to cause Caleb Williams and Lincoln Riley fits. That's, and If it doesn't go that way, Notre Dame can't win.
1: Yeah, and Partha, yeah. give us the Ohio, your Ohio State score too before you give us the, the Notre Dame-USC.
0: Yeah, my, my Ohio State score, I think... you know, I also got a shout out Noah Ruggles. He's a freaking insane kicker. It's been amazing Snuggles. watching him all season. Yeah, Noah Snuggles. <laughs> he's he's so good, man. So Michigan Michigan I, has
1: a really good kicker, too.
0: They do as well. So I, I think that this game is going to turn into more of a defensive shootout than we think. I believe in C.J. Stroud, but I don't think we're going to see 400 yards C.J. Stroud. I think we're going to see... CJ Stroud gets out of the pocket and has one or two, you know, large runs that that are very unexpected that get us to the win. So I'm thinking like 28, 22, something like that. And then uh, let's go USC Notre Dame. Um, I also think USC probably can pull this one out, but I do think Notre Dame's defense will make an impact. I agree with Zach that we just haven't seen Notre Dame score the ball while this year. So probably like, you know, 30 to 21 kind of situation, um, but I don't think that either quarterback blows anybody's minds this weekend. I think I think it's hard fought games after Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, I mean, I look at this game and say if Notre Dame can can run with their quarterback and run with their running back, they'll be fine because of how poor I've seen the USC defense play all season. <laughs> and if if they're able to do that and control the clock and their defense creates pressure early and often against Caleb Williams and gets him frustrated, I really do see Notre Dame coming out of this this game with a victory as well. That's really like what we see in the first quarter of that game is going to determine the outcome. But I do I do see Notre Dame winning this game because you don't need to be very dynamic offensively so long as you can run. And what I've seen from Notre Dame's quarterback is he can run the ball. Can't throw the ball very well, but he can right. run the ball. <laughs>
0: that do we want to call out um tcu's game against iowa state kind of a mid it's 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 kind of mid to be honest but i (laughs) we can
2: we can talk about it but like this past weekend who knows who's going to show up i mean tennessee loses to south carolina georgia struggles ohio state struggles. i mean they could lose but certainly we all are going to pick tcu to win by 14 to 21 points
1: yeah Yeah, and one other thing that i want to talk about is i feel like we've got to address it we're going to move to this 12 team playoff we've got to start addressing these sec teams playing division one double nothings at the end of the season as to just like (laughs) cushion their schedule they they should not be allowed to play if ohio state's playing michigan usc's playing notre dame these SEC teams can't have these cupcake games at the end of the season. <laughs> I just wanted to bring <laughs> attention to that.
2: I I kind of made the argument. You don't think uh, Austin Pay is is uh, a tough game? <laughs> but here, here's the only, I I agree with the, the FCS opponents. But, I mean, yeah. the SEC, the biggest difference is they play eight conference games instead of nine. But, but Ohio yeah. State has those games, too. They're just early in the year. And the SEC yeah. always saves one for the end of the year. And I like it. I think the Big Ten should do it. I, I mean – Because just think about it. Blake Corum's hurt now. Well, I don't think any Ohio State fan or Michigan fan wants to beat the other team not at full strength. If Michigan plays Central Michigan this past weekend and Ohio State plays Toledo, they're both going to be healthy for this game. And that's why the SEC does it. And I actually agree with it. Because instead of playing Toledo week three, play them week 11. Who cares? Just shuffle it around a little bit.
1: Well, if the Big Ten adjusts, do you see a scenario now with the expanded – the elimination of divisions and USC and UCLA. Is there an argument to be made both for Michigan and Ohio state to move the game to earlier in the season? Because it really puts the loser of that game at a handicap every year. Whereas if it happens earlier in the year, Michigan or Ohio state loses, they can recover by beating USC, UCLA, and the rest of the big 10. Do you think that this game is going to forever remain as the last game of the season, or do you think there's an argument to be made um, to move it earlier in the year? I think
2: there's an argument to be made, but they'll never do it. I mean it's it's gonna it's gonna be that final regular season game just because it has been for 120 years, and it's like they're they're not going to change that, especially with the likelihood that with USC in. I mean, if you told me, oh, there's the USC and UCLA were not coming in, they added Washington and Oregon. I'd say they, they might move it up because there's going to be a pretty good prediction that these two teams will meet in Indianapolis. But now you had USC. What if they don't?
1: What happens though? What happens though if hmm. what we think about the Pac 12 is true? USC and UCLA come in and they're like Maryland in the Big Ten. And we see two years straight of Ohio State, Michigan back to back. What happens I- then? what do you guys think
2: I think I mean it's it's not going to be much different than Alabama played Georgia in the SEC Championship game fully knowing that Georgia didn't have to win and they were going to go to the college football playoffs yeah. and probably have to play again I mean it's going it's it's going to happen eventually and if if it doesn't happen in this scenario it'll happen you know in the yeah, yeah in some other way it, whether it's they both make the playoffs or whatever I mean you're going to have some rematches if they both are at at, at a high level like they have been
1: because it's really, really hard to beat a team, no matter to beat a team back-to-back oh, yeah. back twice. That's, it's really hard to
0: Yeah. yeah. I also want to mention, um, I saw this really funny tweet. There's this UNC reporter, I think, who was like trying to talk trash on Twitter because Ohio State and Michigan had, you know, closer games this weekend. And then immediately after, UNC gets beat by Georgia Tech. And oh, yeah. he just got roasted
2: on Twitter. That was my guy, Ryan Switzer. Um, George or George? Oh, that's your guy. Uh, not my guy. He he was yeah,
0: a I saw him. He was
2: a little slot receiver from West Virginia. He came on like an unofficial visit, and I'm and like they wanted me to recruit him. And I'm looking at him like, you gotta be kidding me. Like this little tiny white kid from West Virginia, like, nah. And then he went to North Carolina uh-huh. and just tore it up. And I'm like, well
1: And he made yeah, it to the and NFL. And I'm like, too. I must be
2: racist because I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so
0: they uh they dropped that game against Georgia Tech. Georgia, Georgia Tech this weekend. Rivalry, obviously, an easy one for Georgia to overlook and not pay attention to, especially given Georgia Tech's very. So, are you calling it the season having fired their Are conference. you calling it? Are you? I'm yeah. calling an upset. Upset, upset of the, I'm, Your, the heat. I'm is calling up. the upset. I'm calling the upset there. Georgia Tech beats Georgia, <laughs> and I think I think this game is just like this last week. It's messy as hell. I think it's like twenty-four twenty-one.
1: It's it's so interesting. The reason that Georgia's susceptible in this game is your other homeboy, uh, the quarterback over there in Georgia, it seems like he only plays well when he's expected to not play well. But when it's <laughs> a game <laughs> when it's a game, they're supposed to just blow the brakes off of somebody. It's like he plays down to the competition, makes boneheaded yeah. decisions dumb plays like it's 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 really interesting to watch the jekyll and hyde situation with spencer bennett
2: <laughs> or stetson bennett yeah
1: yeah
0: spencer
2: stetson. bennett you know, I'm, I'm combining the same two. guy
0: <laughs>
1: same guy <laughs> one is way more talented the other one is way more put together mentally which one do you want? <laughs>
0: Yeah, oh, so, I mean, we got we got an exciting weekend ahead of us. You Anything you guys want to call are out? You, are you yeah.
1: seconding the, the upset? Absolutely Thursday? not.
0: Georgia's going to win seconding. by 40. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't see much hope for Georgia Tech in this game, um, but, you know, I understand your sentiment, Bartha. Maybe you'll be right. Nobody thought that South Carolina was going to beat Tennessee, except for maybe Zach, who said it was going to be a competitive game. Hey, so, on
0: this podcast, we said our first we said South Carolina could probably beat Tennessee. Yeah. So you know.
1: We've had a lot of those predictions this season. We called Notre Dame Clemson. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that that's probably like if you are going to Thanksgiving is a big sports betting weekend. People eat and get on their phone, Zach. What are your you got some 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 locks
2: for the I'm not weekend? ready. I, so I think the, the games I like Ohio State. So I'm a big money line better unless it's an underdog with the points. So Me too. I, yeah, uh, I, I'll take Ohio State TCU money line, and then I got to find a third play if I want to juice it up a little. But that's that's kind of my play right now, where I'm like, all right, this is a surefire win, even if it's just easy even money, I'll take it. So I'm going to take Ohio State TCU money line with my money now. Prediction for pe- other people's money, I might throw in a Notre Dame in there, you know, <laughs> um, but not my money. I'm, I'm not I'm not risking my money on Notre Dame.
1: Yeah, when, <laughs> when I used to when I used to sports bet um, more frequently in college, I and I still have this principle. I never bet on yeah. Ohio State because I did it a couple of times and got crushed. I'm like I'm not no. doing that anymore. <laughs> no,
2: you, you look at it. And you, you know, you 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 just believe in him so much. You're like, oh, CJ CJ Stroud, okay. 350 yards. He's gonna go way over, and he throws for like 260. And you're like, God damn it! <laughs> yeah. I've always gotten my ass
1: kicked, and <laughs> I've decided to
2: bet on always.
0: Last day. <laughs> oh man! Well, on that note, guys, I'm really some, excited.
1: I'll, I might throw some money on Georgia Tech, five dollars, just for just to
0: support part of this cause. Hey, that five could become a hundred V. Yeah, probably.
1: That's probably what I'll do is if I, if I, if I call them on the money line, I probably could turn $5 could probably turn into a hundred.
0: Put five on Georgia tech and put the other 95 on Ohio state. You'll come out positive.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Um, Hope you guys both, you know, we're going into the holiday holiday weekend. Hope you guys both have a, Good and pleasant Thanksgiving uh, with with your families. I know um, that you are going to the game because you happen to be in Ohio. Uh, definitely enjoy that. I will be watching from the comfort of warm Houston, Texas on a nice big screen TV. <laughs> um, I'll probably get two six-packs instead of one uh, this <laughs> weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll call it a game. Love it. Should be fun. Yeah.
0: Awesome guys thank thanks so much have a great great weekend happy thanksgiving you too